think recently um, I've been a little down. I've been a little. I was sitting with Krista the other day. Thank you, Josh. I was sitting with Krista the other day, and I was like, I think I'm a little depressed. And the reason, one of the reasons why, is uh, two of my best friends um, in the world are moving to Southern California. One's already moved. The other's moving in September. And part of me is just kind of grieving that and. And I feel a little depressed because of that. And one thing God challenged me in my sadness is to do things that you used to love doing as a kid. With no expectation or burden of other people. Just something you enjoy for you. And it was funny because we were walking in the mall on our Sabbath, Krista and I. And we passed by the Lego store. And I just hear Holy Spirit calling to me from the Lego store. I was like, Krista, let's go. Because I used to love building Legos. Like, I was an only child, so that's literally all I had. I would build myself friends because I had no one. <laughs> Lonely. And so we went into the Lego store. We browsed around a little bit. And I ran out. Like, I felt embarrassed. But then Krista, luckily, being the loving wife that she is, she forced me to go back in. And I bought my first Lego set in, like, 30 years. It was a Batmobile. And I spent my time, I turned on, I watched like random sous vide cooking videos on YouTube at night. I turned that on, I just built my first Lego set in 30 years. And I'll tell you what, I experienced so much childlike joy, it felt so good. But here's the thing about Legos. You, when you open a Lego box, if you've never, never done Legos before, it comes with an instruction manual. And it gives you like the plan, the step-by-step -step guide to build what you see on the box. And so I'm building this, and I'm really good at it, but I don't know if you're like me. I'm the type of guy, when I love something, the only thing I love more is when someone I care about enjoys it, right? So, like, if I see a really good movie, nothing breaks my heart more than when I bring my friend and I want them to enjoy it, but they're on their phone the whole time. You ever experience that? You know what I'm talking about? Like, can you watch the movie and enjoy it? Or when you bring your, like, friend to a restaurant that you love, and they're just not into the food, there's nothing more heartbreaking. And so I asked Krista, Krista... I know you've never done Legos before, but can you, like, can you come and, like, help me build my Lego set? And so, being the beautiful, loving, caring wife that she is, she sat with me in our room. We're grown-ass people just sitting, and she started building this Lego set with me. And she's never done it before. And so I'm watching her, and I'm looking at the pages of the plan and the instruction guide, and she's making mistake after mistake. And I, normally I'm not a stickler, like, but I was, for some reason, I was like a Lego stickler. I was like, no, Krista, that's wrong. you got to turn around. Look at the plan. Look at the instructions. Look at the plan. And I realized, man, when I was a kid, I didn't need any plan. Like, I would just build creatively. But for some reason, as I grew up, all of a sudden, I got so attached to having the instructions, to having the plan. And I think many of us, when we approach life, we've kind of become that way when it comes to our approach towards life. Something happens as we grow up. We become addicted to our plans. We become people who need to know every facet, every detail, every step of where God is leading us. Come on, how many of you can resonate? God, I need you to know, or I need to know why I'm going through the thing that I'm going through right now. God, I need to know when you're going to move in my situation on my behalf. God, I need to know how you're going to resolve this. God, I need to know who I'm supposed to marry, when I'm supposed to move companies, where I'm supposed to move to. I need to know what comes next. We're addicted to our plans. We're addicted to our need to know. Instead of trusting in God to provide for our every need, instead we long for control. 
The same way I hovered over my wife as she was building my Batmobile Lego set, we long for control. We need to know the plan. And I would say that our need for control is actually making us one of the most anxious generations in all of human history. I know we love to say things like, hey, trust in God's plan. Whenever we're struggling, wherever we're, whenever we're doubting, whenever we're in seasons where we don't know what's next, but how many of you know Scripture never tells us to trust God's plan? Scripture tells us, trust God. And there's a big difference. And oftentimes, trusting in God looks like surrendering my need to know how you will work all things for my good. Sometimes trusting in God means, God, I give you my need to know the plan. It's surrendering my need for control, surrendering my need for understanding. One of the most famous passages in the Bible that people who come to church every week and people that never come to church seem to know is Jeremiah 29.11. Come on, how many of y'all know it? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We love this verse. We get it plastered all over our mugs, our t-shirts, our bumper stickers. We get it tattooed on our bodies. I don't know if you've seen my chest, but I have this. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. But, but Christians love this Bible verse, even people that rarely come to church. I mean, what's not to love? God wants to prosper you. He has a plan for your life, a hope, and a future that he longs to give you. We love Jeremiah 29, 11, but how many of you know or I've ever heard the verses that come right after that passage. Jeremiah 29, 12-13, the next two verses. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Get this. God says, seek me. But we're so much more concerned with seeking his plans. God says, find me. But we're so much more focused on finding out God's will for our lives. We will never meant to find peace and security in God's plans. We were meant to find it in God's presence. This is why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. We spend so much time seeking the added things, not realizing that they come when we seek the one who gives them in the first place. The question is, can you trust God even when you don't know what his plans are? Can you trust God even when you don't know the details, even when you don't understand? See, hear me, church. We're not saying yes to our understanding of God's plan. We're saying yes to God, and there's a big difference. And when we live saying yes to our understanding of his plans, there's nowhere to go but be anxious because we just don't know so much. You know, tell a kid they're going to Disneyland and they're not going to come to you and say, but how? Like, how much is it going to cost? What's our itinerary? What are we going to take? Which airline are we going through? I hope it's not Southwest. It better be Alaska. Like, if you tell a kid they're going to Disneyland, what are they going to do? You're saying, yes! And they're going to trust that the ones that promise them that they're going are going to go. But somewhere along the way, we become people that need to know the details. God, 
I need to know how you're going to fulfill this promise in my life. Not just how, but when. God, I need to know who I'm supposed to marry, who the love of my life is going to be. God, I need to know what job I need to go to, how long I'm supposed to stay there. We are addicted to our plans. See, we love the idea of trust, but we hate the idea of mystery. We're so uncomfortable with the idea that there are some things in life that we're not supposed to know. Some things that will always remain unclear and unexplainable. There are things we may never know or understand. And hear me, church, you can't have trust without mystery. If we could see everything, know everything, there wouldn't be a need for trust. Mystery is the soil where trust is cultivated. It's the soil where faith is grown. And we have to become familiar with mystery if we hope to grow in faith and in trust. John Mark Homer, he says, the opposite, the opposite of faith isn't doubt. It's certainty and control. In other words, our need for understanding, our need for control, actually kills our faith. It kills our ability to trust in God. This is why Paul writes in Philippians 4, 7, famous passage, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, do you know there's a peace that only comes when we're willing to surrender our need for understanding? Some of us haven't experienced peace in a long time because we can't seem to let go of our need to know everything, to know the details of God's plans, to know how things pan out. And it stems from a lack of trust that God's got us. I believe there's an expression of worship that sounds like, I don't know. God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I trust you. God, I don't know why my family member has cancer, but I still trust you. God, I don't know why I lost my job, but I still trust you. I don't need to know because I trust you are working all things for my good. See, mystery presents us with the greatest opportunity to please God with faith. But mystery also presents us with the greatest opportunity to experience a peace that transcends our understanding when we learn to place our trust in him. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of peace because there are too many unknowable things in our world. There are too many mysteries that we just cannot fathom, even the most brilliant minds. That's why Erwin McManus says, peace does not come because you finally have control over your life. Peace comes when you no longer need control. This is a word for some of y'all today. Some of us just need to let go of control. And maybe the reason why we're so anxious, so worried, so afraid, why we're lacking peace in our lives is because we're trying to figure out things God has called us to embrace as mystery. The question I want to ask is, in what areas of your life have you been grasping for understanding, for certainty, for control? And in what ways have you chased after God's plan? instead of God himself. Can you trust God even when you don't know what his plans are? But there's a second question. I think this question's harder. Can you trust God even when you don't like his plans? Ooh! Can you trust God 
even when you don't like his plan, maybe you read the verses that come after Jeremiah 29-11, but have you read what comes before it? Let me set up the, the context for you. The Israelites, they're in exile. They're driven from their homeland, and they're taken captive by many other empires. At this current stage, the Babylonian Empire. So check this out. They're driven from their homeland. They're stripped of their ethnic identity, and they're forced to assimilate to another culture that is not their own. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting for God to move on their behalf. They're waiting and waiting for God to deliver them. And they're holding on to this promise that one day God will come and rescue them and bring them back home. I imagine some of you can resonate with that waiting. God, when are you going to move? It's been so long. God, when are you going to finally break through on my behalf? And in the chapter 4, before Jeremiah 28, a prophet named Hananiah, he gets before the whole congregation. And the whole congregation, they're, they're just in sorrow. They're just waiting and waiting for God to move. They don't see an end in sight. And this guy named Hananiah gets in front of the whole congregation. And he says this, Thus saith the Lord, in two years' time, God will move and bring us back home. Can you imagine how the people felt? They were probably celebrating. They were probably ecstatic. They were so excited. We're finally coming home. But check this out. Jeremiah is in the background. And he hears a word from the Lord. And he, he hears this thing. He says, hey, that was a cool prophetic word in all, Hananiah. But that wasn't from God. Actually, church, get comfortable here in exile. Like, that's why right before Jeremiah 29, 11, he says things like, build houses, settle down, marry and have kids. Get comfortable in your exile. Get comfortable in your waiting because Hananiah was wrong. It's not going to take two years. It's going to take 70 years. Damn. When I was on a mission trip to Mozambique back in 2011, and I hate Air Canada so much. I love Canada, but Air Canada... So, you know, after this long mission trip, I'm just imagining getting home, being in my shower, being in my own bed, having fresh clothes, beautiful Bay Area weather, and I'm on this flight just dreaming of getting back home. But Air Canada somehow turned my six-hour trip into a 24-hour ordeal. And I cursed Air Canada, and I vowed... The Lord is not in this place. And I, I don't know if you can resonate this feeling like, I want to get home. I want God to move. I want him to break through. And I thought it was only going to be this amount of time. I thought I would only be jobless for a few months. I thought I would only be single up till 25. I thought I would only be here for this amount of time. But, but, but months turn to years. Years turn to more years, and a season that you thought was going to be so short and so quick ends up being elongated. That's what these people were feeling. They thought God's plan was something else, and this new version of God's plan, they hated it. They weren't with it. And I imagine God asking the Israelites the same question he's asking us today. Can you trust me even when you don't like my plan? Can you trust me even when my plan wasn't what you expected, what you anticipated, even if it doesn't look the way that you imagined it would be, even though it doesn't look the way you thought it would be? Can you trust that even so, I know what's best for you? 
that I'm for you, that I'm on your side. You see, the Israelites, they thought the plan from God was for them to be delivered within two years. But why does it have to be 70 years, God? Why can't you deliver us now? We need to know. And maybe you've wrestled with this too. God, I thought the plan was for me to meet the love of my life at 25, get married at 28, have my first baby at 32, and have a beautiful family here in San Francisco. Why am I still single? God, I thought the plan was to land the dream job, work my way up the ladder to success, but why was I let go? God, I thought the plan was to be a millionaire by now, but why am I struggling to make ends meet? Hear me, church. Don't let your disappointment in God's plan keep you from accessing the blessings he has for you in it. Even when we're disappointed, even when it doesn't line up with how we thought it would be. This is some of you are not where you thought you'd be in life, not at the job you thought you'd be, not in the position you thought you'd be, not as successful as you thought it'd be, not the stage of life you thought you'd be by now. And you're thinking, God, this wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't supposed to be like this. It wasn't supposed to go this way. And God's asking, can you trust me? Even when you don't like my plan, even when it doesn't look the way you thought it would, even if it isn't what you expected. In, um, right when I was graduating, by the way, some of my college friends are here. Give a shout out to Eunice and Joan. But when I was in college, I got a number of prophetic words spoken over me, like, Mickey, God's going to take your music to the nations. If you don't know, I used to be a hip-hop artist, a Christian hip-hop artist, famous among Korean and Asian youth groups in the West Coast, parts of the East Coast. That was my claim to fame. And strangely, middle-aged white people in the Bible Belt in Kansas City. I don't know. They're still buying my albums. It's weird. They don't know how to stream music. Anyway, I got so many, like, I went to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. I went to Bethel Church in Reading. I got so many prophetic words. Mickey, oh, you're going to win an Oscar. I'm like, first of all, Oscars are for movies, bro. And so many people are saying, you're going to be successful. You're going to be influential. Music is the way that God is going to use you. So I graduate college, and I, I thrust myself into full-time music. And I thought, ooh, I'm going to blow up. Like, I'm going I'm to I'm make it. I'm going to be the one that got through. And guess what happened? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. And I kept hitting wall after wall after wall. And slowly I discovered my calling was not to make music. Music would always be a part of my life, but it would be this, what I'm doing right now. And there was a season where I was like, God, this wasn't the plan. I was supposed to grow, get big on the indie scene, get a song on the radio, get a record deal, this and that. But it didn't work out. And I was wondering, God, I thought this was the plan. You spoke these things to me. Maybe you've been there too where you've prayed and you've heard from God, but it didn't pan out the way that you thought it would. And you're, you're now wrestling, God, I thought you told me that was the person I'm supposed to marry. God, I thought you told me come to San Francisco. God, I thought you told me to come to 99. Why does it suck? No, I'm just kidding. I know you love our church. Why, God? Why? Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. What are we to do with this? A few years ago, Krista and I, we transitioned out of our old church, sons and daughters. Some of you might know us from there. And we, we transitioned to starting this church right here. And honestly, I know I was saying this a lot when we started in 99. Honestly, I was like, I love that we're hidden and we're underground. No one can really find us. And we're this small little band of rebels and runaways. But at the time, I don't know why I thought 
we're going to get much bigger much quicker. And I kind of anticipate, I, I came across this, almost this disappointment. I didn't know this was the plan. And then we were finally going to have like a coming out party here in San Francisco in our neighborhood. Like, hey, San Francisco, we're here because you couldn't find us anywhere online or on Instagram. April of 2020, well, actually in March, we're starting to plan it. And then pandemic hits. And then we have to do church online for a year and a half. And then after pandemic, no one wants to come to church every week. It's just too much. Like, I talked to so many people like, I can't believe we used to go to church every Sunday. And I was sitting, I was like, God, this wasn't how it was supposed to look. This wasn't, I mean, can you at least get us to 99 church members so we can honor our namesake? Like, this wasn't what I expected. But you know what? It was in the disrupted plan. It was in what I did not expect, where I found not what I wanted, but what I needed. And I told you a few weeks ago, and I wasn't lying. I promise I won't tell you three years from now that I actually wasn't feeling this way, but I am so happy with where we're at. I'm so happy with our church. I feel so much peace. And it's not that I don't want to grow. It's not that I don't want us to move, but I I just feel like there is this contentment that there doesn't have to be this alignment to what I thought I wanted or what I needed to see. See, when we are disappointed by God's plan, we have to stop for a moment and say, God, I'm disappointed, but I know there is something that I need here in this. There's something that I need in this interrupted plan and the things that I did not expect. The words of Jeremiah 29, 11, they were spoken to a people in the middle of hardship and suffering, in the middle of their exile and their captivity, in the middle of their mystery. I think many of us are in the middle of our mystery right now. Maybe it's not about church. Maybe it's about work. Maybe it's about life. Maybe it's about family. But I think all of us can understand this idea of being in the middle of mystery. But it's in this place, in the mystery, where God reminds us of his promise. I know the plans I have for you. It might not be your plans, You might not know what the plan is, but trust that I know the plans that I have for you. And they're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Maybe some of you are in that place, in the middle of your mystery, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your struggling, in the middle of what you're going through. And I just feel like God wants you to know I have a plan for you. I have plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future, but you're going to have to trust me, to trust that I got you. Remember uh, Seabell's testimony? The main line, the thing she heard from God, I got you. And when when I hear stories of how God delivers people, I just can't help but trust God's got me. 99, I want us to be a people more concerned with seeking God's presence than his plans. A people who are able to trust God even when we don't know his plans are, even when his plans disappoint us. But it starts with us surrendering and laying down our plans and saying, God, I trust you. So I want to invite us into a time to respond. And so why don't we just close our eyes and I want to give you a moment to just talk to God to interact with him. Maybe some of you can resonate with what these Israelites were going through. Maybe some of you don't, and you're in like a really great season, but nonetheless, there will come times where we're in the mystery, 
where we're in the middle. And I feel like the question God is asking is, can you trust me even when you don't know what my plan is? Can you trust me even when it looks different than what you thought it would? Right now, I feel an invitation from God just to lay down any disappointments we have, to lay down any burdens that we're feeling, to lay down our need for control, our need for understanding, to lay down our unmet expectations. God, we give it all to you. And we trust that you want to prosper us, that you want to give us a hope and a future. Because when we look at the story of the Israelites, we know that the end story wasn't an eternity in waiting. That you were faithful after 70 years. You brought the people back. And church, I want you to know that God has never gone back on his word. He will get you to where you're going. He will get you to the promise. He will get you to the breakthrough. But will you trust him along the way? God, we give you our doubts. We give you our struggle in the mystery. We thank you that you got us. Let us be a people more concerned with your presence than your plans.